Hey everyone, welcome to GXM20. We made it and uh, to celebrate uh, hitting the big 2-0, we have invited back Anthony John Agnello. Anthony, uh, let listeners know who you are, what you are, what, what variety are you? I like that I only come here when it's like a decalogue of episodes, because <laughs> I was here at number 10. Which was, as you guys said at the time, it's like the survival of a podcast. If you get to 10 episodes, it can, it, it's going to live. And now I'm at 20, so it's lived twice. For any, everybody listening, I am... My official title in our broken world is Creative Strategy Lead at IGN, which just means I come up with the, the kind of bizarre content nonsense that would have worked on a website just as editorial 15 years ago. But now you need a maxi pad brand or Doritos to back it. So that's what I do for my day job. Uh, but I'm a, an erstwhile writer in the video game world. If you're somebody listening to this, you've probably seen my lighter notes in some vinyl releases. And uh, yeah, just a, a writer and ne'er-do-well. I like to think of you as a maven. Yes. As a video game music maven. <laughs> That's a good word that no one knows what it means and no one uses in the correct context and it doesn't matter. Uh, and of course, also joined by my GXM uh, co-host, Matthew Ombler. Matt, how are you doing? I'm very good. I completed Baldur's Gate 3 over the Christmas break. Oh, oh wow. My God. So, that, honestly... <laughs> You know what? It didn't even get to a point where I wanted it to be over. It was quite scary because as soon as I finished the game, I was like, I think it might be a time for round two. But then I'm oh also looking at like the 125 hours or something I clocked and being like, I don't know if I can. If I replay this game, I am not going to play anything else this year. Is there like an, an official asshole second playthrough where it's just like bestiality and dark choices and all of this? There's a class called the Dark Edge, which basically significantly changes what happens in the game um, and really bad stuff happens but i've got a couple of mates who i used to be in the band with i'm i'm kind of pushing them towards playing it but i feel like you know it's that thing where the more you go this thing is really good you need to check it out or play it or listen to it the opposite effect just yes. happens and i think you scare them away but basically i'm thinking right all of us used to be in a band wouldn't it be funny just to do a four bad playthrough <laughs> <laughs> and, ju and just yes. see see what happens with vodka and uh, although I'm finding on a, a too serious a note, I'm finding uh, playing a Divinity Original Sin with my nephew, and it is it's quite slow playing co-op. Mm, it is. I will say that. So you you probably won't beat the game for bards, but uh, it's probably worth a couple of hours of uh, mojito fuel fueled fun. <laughs> worth the effort. <laughs> um excellent right we are making up stupid categories again because that's just how we roll and uh, we're going to try and cover 2023 video game music in 2023 i'm sure we'll mention stuff that came out before then because you know things just get swept up people come to things at different times but we're going to try and focus on stuff that that came out in 2023 and um First category, I think uh, Anthony should go first. I think this was one of his. It's a uh, best 2023 track or mix that you would happily listen to for 24 hours straight. Anthony, what have you got for us? Lifeform's incredible soundtrack for Tunic. 
Uh, I don't know if you guys realize, like, I think the music industry broadly has recognized that there is no use in year delineations anymore. It's all, <laughs> it's all ridiculous. None of these songs were recorded in 2023. All the mastering was done years ago. I thought you were just going to say, like, has formally, collectively recognized the Tunic soundtrack. <laughs> like, that, that, like that, that was the big moment of 2023. Like, the entire music industry turned around and was like, this game soundtrack. <laughs> rules I, <laughs> absolutely it, i let it in on a technicality because the retail releases for tunic didn't come out until this year i had previously thought that the switch version like a cartridge was going to come out by the end of 2022 it did not and so i did not play this game until mid 23 and like i love life formed in general like i thought the dust force soundtrack was mind-blowing when it first came out but every single song on this soundtrack, as opposed to like, yeah, you have 600 songs on the Final Fantasy 16 soundtrack, and maybe a third of one of them is memorable. Whereas <laughs> every song on the Tunic soundtrack could stand on its own. But to Far Shores, give me, give me a full day. Give me two days of listening to it. I could. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and and it should be noted, Janice Kwan was also co-composer on the on the soundtrack, and and in no way a, a small contributor, but uh, it is an absolute cracker. Well, for me, I've got I couldn't really decide because there's the ambient stuff that I could just listen to for a very 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 long time, and for me, there was a soundtrack called After Us by Daniel Elms, which was this sort of it's the kind of Blade Runner 2049 sort of dystopian ambient electronica that I I I love. I've always loved that that kind of thing. And this he he does it really 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 well. And actually, there's like a 16 minute track. There's some epically long kind of soundscapey tracks on there. They're better than soundscapey, but you know what I mean. They're long, and uh, I could definitely listen to those for a long time. And then also a game that I checked out and the latest did the digital soundtrack for Terra Nil, which is Devolver Joint. It's a sort of a eco-oriented reverse RTS. So instead of building, you know, your civilization for conquest, you are reclaiming uh, nature or rebuilding, regenerating nature and then removing all signs of human activity from it. And it has the most lovely kind of chill soundtrack from Maidan. But actually, another soundtrack Lay's put out that I may not have checked out if I hadn't, you know, been working on this stuff for, um, Shadow Warrior 3. There is just some really, really dirty grooves in there. If it sounds like something that Yuzo Koshiro would have absolutely put into a hypothetical Streets of Rage 4 that came out in 1997, 
shouldn't that just automatically put it like in the hall of fame for game soundtracks sure yeah so the 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 track uh we just heard a clip of is viet diet and um i could just bop along to that for for 24 hours easily it's just creative and woozy and awesome matt what have you got for us that you could listen to for 24 hours straight I am very glad you put mix in and you differentiate between track and mix because mine is the Decker's PS2 drum and bass mix, which is top tier. Any video game music mix that has not one, not two, but three tracks from the obscure PS2 game Chain Dive, which is basically <laughs> just like a really good house soundtrack, gets good creds. Yes. And as well, as you'll know, like I go on about Dedeco all the time. I think I was one of the first guys to find him and subscribe to his Patreon because I was so tired of searching for like house and techno remixes on YouTube and just getting bombarded with these crappy EDM mixes. More on that later because I am not I can't stand these bad EDM covers. But the Decker's channel came out of nowhere one day. I was like, oh wow, this guy gets it. Like he's doing really good remix sets of video game music. He's a great guy. And I don't have children, and it's kind of like a what I'd imagine a proud father moment to be like going, <laughs> his YouTube channel's doing really well now. <laughs> like he finally, <laughs> he finally cracked the algorithm. Go on, Dodeca. So. It's pure talent. Yeah. I mean, I don't sense any of that YouTube cynicism from him. No. Of uh, of manipulating it or doing anything. He's just it's he is doing the the purest possible version of what he wants to do. And he wears very large coats. He does wear large coats. <laughs> That is, and he looks like he needs more sleep. But he's a, he's a DJ, so that's fine. He has he has the Dark Summit credits music in here. <laughs> I need to listen to all. Like this is the problem. Now I just want to leave this on in the background while we talk for the entire time. <laughs> you will you will love it because again, like Tom was saying, there's no. I'm gonna slap in this mix and that track and that track because I know it's gonna do well SEO wise. Like it is all obscure like really good to give you an example we had him on the podcast and i was asking him about some of the wildest stuff he's found and he was talking about i think it was a barbie game or an exercise game that had only been released in germany on the (laughs) ps2 and it just had like a really hard euro dance soundtrack and he just got a hard drive of music like that but yeah you need to listen to it afterwards and let us know what you think there's something hypnotic about the B-roll he uh, he he rocks with as well. Um, very very entertaining, and yeah, I could I could listen to that for 24 hours straight as well. Absolutely. Okay, the next category is one of mine, and it's a specific example I was thinking of. And um, I try I try and keep my mind open to to new music sources signals coming in. I'm not a very good aesthete. I'm not. I don't have the strongest. You know, like curator instinct myself but i do try and keep my antennae up and listen to something new every day and just randomly click on a playlist or youtube thing or something and on twitter i saw uh something that came up that was really caught my ear so this category is favorite 2023 track or soundtrack 
um, we can get rid of 2023 for this, something in 2023 that you never would have checked out, but you saw it on Twitter or at random and took a punt. Anthony, for for, for just cultural reasons, punt, take a punt as in a place a bet, you know, invest your energy <laughs> in. Um, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, for me, it's this game called Death's Gambit. I'd never heard of it. I, I may have dismissed it at a glance as another kind of Soulsy Metroidvania. But um, just a small snippet of the 2018 soundtrack caught my ear on Twitter. And then I went, listened to that and really found some very, very rich stuff there. And then the the DLC or the expansion Afterlife also has some, um, some crackers right at the beginning of the OST. I'm listening now and it's fantastic but I am very disappointed in you for not choosing Air Twister. Well no, no we, we, Air Twister's had its it's had its moment. And, no, and it all, no. There is not there is not a single moment for Air Twister that, that this lives in perpetuity. The, the hype for that game and the soundtrack will never die. We'll we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. It's got its own category. Air Twister's like it's like the Beatles. Like you're not allowed to put it in any categorization. Like it's not allowed to compete. Every answer to every single one of these questions would have been Air Twister every time. Uh, the composer for Death's Gambit and Death's Gambit Afterlife is Kyle Hnenak. And uh, yeah, I just really instantly grabbed it from Twitter, caught my ear. Matt, what have you got for us? I have got, trying to think of a clever way to describe this, but it's just Mick Gordon's Doom V2. Squared. Yes, <laughs> Mick Gordon's Squared. It's from a game called Trapang 2 which is essentially a spiritual successor to Fear, if anyone played those games. I heard the soundtrack first, courtesy of Now Listening, which is our friend Pierre's newsletter. We'll drop a link in the description for this episode. But it's just a really, really good metal soundtrack. Same metal, it's like metalcore, like just, it's heavy. as sin have you had i think i've played it to you quite a lot tom but have you heard this anthony it is as surprising as metalcore for a video game as the sonic boss fights in frontiers where like i was unprepared for what this was going to sound like and it's very good nasty very nasty wow the entire soundtrack is like consistently excellent it's a great game as well um i'd thoroughly recommend it i bought it over christmas i think for like 25 quid or something um, if you're a fan of just those silly shooters, the boomer shooters, I mean this in a really good way because it sounds like a bad way to describe a game, but it feels like a PS2 era shooter. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where it, it's light, it's fun, kind of like what Doom was. Like I think that's why I love Doom 2016 so much. It had that arcade feel, but it's a really good game. The soundtrack slaps. Composer is a guy called Brandon McKagan, and yeah, just a 10 out of 10 soundtrack. 
That kills. I had already been familiar with Death's Gambit, and the funny thing is, Tom, is I discovered it the exact same way. And it was it was more uh, just seeing GIFs of it on mm. Twitter and being like, I would like to know more about this game, and then just discovering happily that the soundtrack rips. Uh, but damn, Trepang 2, that's good find, man. Jesus. <laughs> we have opened up what looks like a Game Boy game called World of Horror. Do you want to tell us about that? World of Horror. All right. This was also discovered via GIFs on Twitter because it was the sort of thing where the GIFs were so cool looking in that it, it looked like somebody was like, what if I just crammed old VHS copies of The Grudge into a copy of Carmen Sandiego for Apple II and just left it moldering in the rain for a week? And the result is this magical thing. Same thing with Death's Gambit. I saw GIFs of this that were totally silent and then was like, I need to check this out. And then just saw trailers and a good friend of mine on my, my podcast, Continue, Dave Roberts was like, you have to play it. You will love it. It is dirty, disgusting, haunted, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Very much like a mid-80s PC adventure game, but like grisly, like really mundane, gross nastiness as you explore Lovecraftian Eldritch Horror stuff in this town. And the soundtrack is the best Game Boy-esque chip I've heard in years. There's like Game Boy infused chiptune pre Scott Pilgrim the game and then all of it post Scott Pilgrim the game. Like Anamataguchi broke the Game Boy as a, an instrument. <laughs> and now you never get something that sounds legitimately like it could just be like coming out of a bad movie adaptation by Ocean on your Game Boy. It makes perfect sense if they've stripped the graphics back to, you know, two, three colors or whatever. The oppressive nature of the graphics, it, it makes absolutely perfect sense to kind of, add, you know, have the quite harsh kind of, is that 8-bit Game Boy sort of chip um, mm. synthesis that sort of scrapes along your ear and, and discombobulates you and doesn't let you land with a big bassy sound or, or doesn't really resolve harmonically and that kind of thing. Yeah, I love, I love a Game Boy tone that just doesn't have the depth that it feels like it does. Mm. And I, this is an awesome soundtrack. The whole thing is this good. Uh, highly, highly recommended. And out of all of the tracks to showcase on this fantastic soundtrack, you have chosen what appears to be the item storage music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're playing a horror game, where else do you want to highlight that? That, that, is, that, that is a very good point. But I have, I have just opened up a track called Seaside Combat which just yeah. sounds like something out of Castlevania. And the way you've got the high notes, which sounds almost like just like a guitar squeal. Like, this, this, is, this is really good stuff. This is a nice find. Awesome. Okay, we're going to move on. We've got a category. I'm going to sort of j uh, dive out of this one because I somehow got through 2023 without really playing any remakes. 
Uh, although it was the year of excellent remakes, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario RPG, Dead Space, and on and on, uh, Metroid Prime. Uh, so we've got uh, Best 2023 Remake Soundtrack, not remixes, but the actual tracks featured in the game itself. Anthony, why don't you kick us off? So remakes this year. I was in no way prepared for there to be a version of a Star Ocean game that could be enjoyed by human beings. Was not prepared for that <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. I loathed Star Ocean 2 back in the day. I played it when it was first released on PlayStation and was just like, who has the time for this? But then saw the early trailers that Square had put out and was blown away by just the look. And this is one of those Square Enix games where they're like, we're going to put a demo out there that's four and a half hours long. Uh, so you could just, you could see for yourself that it's good. You don't have to put money up front. And it is spectacular. Like they, they made a very, very, very playable good game that just so happens to have like the most lush versions of Sakuraba songs I, I think I've ever heard. It is just uh, as... Uh, sort of delicate and plush as the look of the remake is, sort of really taking what you see in the HD 2D of Live Alive and Octopath Traveler and blowing it out for the 32-bit generation, they've kind of applied that same thing to the original soundtrack. And I like this so much more than any of the of the bombast that I hear in any other Star Ocean soundtrack. I was shocked by how good this was. So just for me as a Star Ocean newcomer, but as a absolute Sakurabistan, because I just know him for like prog rock soundtrack. So is this more of kind of like your grandiose RPG lush orchestral score, or does it still have the wacky battle themes in that you'd normally associate with him? Little little column A and little column B. Yeah. But like if Star Ocean 3, 4, 5, 6 are the uh, red era King Crimson <laughs> of Sakuraba. <laughs> you, you can think of Star Ocean 2 as like more like uh, Court of the Crimson King. It's it's cool. more approachable, I think. And like the, again, this is the superior incarnation of these songs. I'm going to throw this out there. I probably should have saved it for the spicy take area, but Super Mario RPG remixed soundtrack, not that good. Throwing it out there. <sighs> Oh. That is pretty spicy. Inferior to the original. Ooh, Bam. <laughs> I like that. My wife and uh, kid are playing Super Mario RPG, so I'll be overhearing it, I guess, over the next couple of couple of weeks. Is Star Ocean, just out of sheer curiosity, is it a family-friendly game, this one? This one is. You could you can play you can play the, I would not recommend playing any other Star Ocean in front of a child. Uh, right. two is you you're safe because it's just i i booted up uh, octopath traveler 2 i only played 20 minutes of it but already people were like smoking and someone was getting whipped <laughs> and it was just yeah straight away and <laughs> i know that, getting I, whipped. <laughs> oh yeah 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 it depends who you choose as your first uh, opening character but it was it was very adult straight away so yeah i won't be firing that one up in front of uh, in front of the kids um matt what what have you got for us in terms of i did did the pixel remaster when did the final fantasy pixel remasters come out 
they finally came out on consoles this year, so they this count. Year, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll very quickly just say, without any, I'll just say, Final Fantasy III Pixel Remaster soundtrack. I, I particularly enjoyed. I I don't revisit those older ones, those older Uematsu, as often as I should. So it was a nice excuse to kind of hear that music. Give it a proper, proper tasteful glow up. Mm. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, Matt, what have you got for us in terms of remake? Mine is like a complete cop-out choice, to be fair, because I just wanted an excuse to talk about the Metroid Prime soundtrack. <laughs> I don't think... Did they do anything to it? No, I, I think they've probably mixed it a little bit just to bring it up to modern standards. But even if they didn't, it would have still been a masterpiece because the soundtrack is a masterpiece. It's fantastic. If there's anyone out there with a Nintendo Switch who hasn't played Metroid Prime, open up your browser now on your phone, laptop, PC, or just buy the game. It's incredible. I went out of my way. I'm going to tell Anthony, thankfully you've not heard this story, but Tom has probably heard me tell it about seven or eight times now (laughs) i went out of my way to buy a full 3d like cinema spatial audio surround system which cost me well over a grand just for this game because the audio in it is so good i was like i i was playing it through a tv when i was a kid and i always saw the supports dolby surrounds i was like you know what if i'm gonna replay it i'm gonna i'm doing it properly and i am glad i did Fendrana Drifts deserves that treatment yeah. in whatever incarnation it takes. So, right, that does. And that is one of my favorite tracks, but the mini boss theme. Yeah. Fendrana Drifts is the one that I remember, and I think it's the one that most Metroid fans like who have played Prime know. But just everything that's going on in this, all of the different textures and the widdly synths. They need to do Prime 2. They need to yeah. do Prime 2 because Prime 2 is just the mini boss battle theme on repeat and and remixed over and over and over again for a game. <laughs> what a great soundtrack. It's so good. For some reason, I've managed to play all of the Zero Escape games. And it reminds me a lot of the kind of what I call like anxious techno. Yep, yep. Mm. Uh, that kind mm. of like w- like weird, crazy samples and things like popping in and out and really unsettling you, just keeping you unsettled. And Normally when something is about to blow up in an RPG and then you get the countdown. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a specific anxiety to it. Yeah. That's like you've had too much coffee and you don't know if you've got enough time left to to get the boss down down to you know the first stage or whatever. Yeah. It's it is. the it's Kenji Eno techno. That's what we could call it. It's the it's oh, the like Kenji that. Eno genre in and of itself. Anxious techno. I like it. Okay, we've done remakes now. Uh, I think these were both Anthony uh, kind of sort of jokey partner piece uh, categories here. Mm-hmm. We've got mm-hmm. most guilty pleasure in 2023, and then. Not guilty pleasure in 2023. Thing people will shame you for forever, but you don't give a hoot because it rules hard. So um, I'll quickly uh, take up... This isn't a guilty pleasure because people really... So Laced Records had the the pleasure of working on the the Hi-Fi Rush vinyl this year. And so I, you know, had an excuse to really dig into the soundtrack. I don't have an Xbox. I played about half an hour of it at a mate's house. 
And for the vinyl, we have the streamer mode versions of these songs by famous bands like the Black Keys, Nine Inch Nails. But these are what I would call, they're sort of sound-alikes by the Glass Pyramids to play for streamers so they don't, you know, they, they don't get dinged for the Black Keys and, and whatever. And so they've written songs that have to match up exactly, I assume, to the BPM because they're locked into the boss fights of Hi-Fi Rush. But I just really like them and because I've heard the the other songs so often, like the famous songs, the licensed songs in the game. These kind of weird alternative universe versions I really grew on me. You know, I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure per se, but um, I ended up really enjoying these sort of not quite these songs, but these songs in all but name. To listen to these i have no familiarity they're well i mean a lot of people who've just just played the game wouldn't but they'd know exactly which song they were in theory listening to because they're so close and so well done and kind of well engineered to sound exactly as they should it's it's really clever stuff matt go on then what's your guilty what's your guilty pleasure this year last year rather I don't even think it's 2023, so I don't even know if this counts. The album came out in May, though, so you can you can you can allow it the uh, the pass, right? So did he or did he not write this for Pokemon? So this is Ed Sheeran, by the way, everyone. So we don't bury the lead. He did, but the the he ended up it, it's on one of his full lengths too. So he did put it out for Pokemon. But it made it out in May of 23. Oh, uh, yeah. All so right, you're all right. Yeah. So it counts. It counts as much as Tunic counts. That This is my... I mean, to be fair, it's it's probably not a guilty pleasure because loads of people like Ed Sheeran, but I've never liked him. I find him <laughs> insufferable, to be honest. And I, you know what? I didn't even do the thing where I was like, oh, it's something that I like, so now I like it as well. The fact it's Pokemon and I like Pokemon, so Ed plus Pokemon, ooh, now I like it. It's like, no, this is just genuinely a good song with a really catchy chorus. So yeah, Ed Sheeran, Celestial, really enjoy it. The, the, the spoiler is is that if you're answering these questions correctly, it's the same answer for both. <laughs> like you, you recognize that this is a guilty pleasure, and it is. Like you can consciously be like, "I'm guilty for liking an Ed yeah. Sheeran song," but also f- everybody else because Ed, <laughs> this song rules. All right, so my pick for this, I, I can't, I can't fully be blamed for, because it's your country that published it. <laughs> Fundox Media is a United Kingdom entity. I had nothing to do with the creation or publishing of Smut for the Nintendo Switch. However, I will consume it as a collector of physical Switch media. If there is some obscure cartridge that is going to get published for the Nintendo Switch, I will buy it sight unseen. And that's how you end up buying things like Boo Party, which is a like collectathon adventure game 
like the closest comparison to what this game is like is like marvelous for the Super Nintendo, which is A.G. Ayanuma's first game. It's like Zelda top-down perspective, but there's no combat. You're just wandering around, finding items, and then a monster who has breasts takes their shirt off. And the cartridge for this game came with a CD soundtrack. And when it arrived, I said, why? Dear God, why is there soundtrack, <laughs> let alone a printed CD soundtrack for this release in the year 2023? And the answer is because the soundtrack by the Opus Science Collective rule. <laughs> uh, like, I I'm trying to think of, like, as a genre, it sounds like the kind of perverse, dirty funk you would have heard in a Saturday morning cartoon 35 years ago. That's the, the best way to describe it. It is technically chiptune, but like dirty funk chiptune. Like it sounds like something, again, like you, you would expect it to be at the beginning of a Heathcliff episode. It's spectacular. Somebody would be like, you bought the booby game, you weirdo? <laughs> to which I would respond, have you listened to the soundtrack? It's great. Considering I'm an avid fan of the Mr. Mosquito 2 soundtrack, <laughs> I think a couple, of all listens, a couple of more <laughs> listens to this and I will be bought in. My non-guilty pleasure, because it just genuinely goes so hard, I guess it's a selection of tracks. Again, Tom, I've kind of bored you with this quite a lot in terms of the Pokemon stuff, but it's been a really big year for Pokemon music in terms of, like, the Pokemon music is getting better because the Pokemon company is going, maybe we should start having, like, a music strategy and start doing stuff. And not to say they've never had that, because obviously they did that big thing with Purse Malone, Katy Perry, and stuff like that. But the Pokemon company in Japan basically did this collaboration with Hatsune Miku, who is a Vercaloid. For anyone listening who doesn't know what a Vercaloid is, it's basically like a voice synthesizer product. Um, they have, like, practical business uses outside of, like, being put into games. Basically, like, virtual idols. Like, this Hatsune Miku is also, like, a massive, like, idol. Also got a game published by Sega. It's one of the biggest rhythm games in Japan. But, yeah, these Vercaloid mixes, I think there's been seven or eight so far all done by various Vercaloid producers from Japan. This latest one, just listen to it, because this is not the type of music you would associate with Pokemon. I was going to follow that up by going, it's the kind of music you might associate with people who don't shower, but then technically the two could cross over. But just, just listen to it, because it is legit. Like, it's really good. It's very good. It's kind of like hyper pop. I don't know. Yeah, it's fun. It's colourful. It's silly. It's that bass line. It's just a really, really dirty bass line. Like, <laughs> really dirty. This is my, my category. The quote-unquote, I quit because this soundtrack's too goddamn long award. <laughs> I, I, I'll let you pick your favourites, but I just I just wanted to highlight some of these. So, so Street Fighter Six drops... Digital soundtracks, 284 tracks. If you want to buy it on iTunes, it is 
in in the UK is fifty pounds, right? That is the that is the price of a new Switch game. Final Fantasy sixteen came in at what I thought was a modest one hundred and eighty one tracks. That's only thirty five pounds on on iTunes. Tracks, not songs. It should be stated one hundred eighty one <laughs> tracks. There are noises that are played throughout Final Fantasy 16. Octopath 2 comes in at a, a quite reasonable 131 tracks, but it's still a lot, a lot to absorb, especially if you're not, as you say, um, playing the game, you know, playing the long RPG and really becoming familiar. Sonic Frontiers has had additional music added that takes it up to, I believe, 191 tracks. But um, my favourite, my favourite, and it just for some reason I had to look it all up and put it all in a single playlist. The officially released soundtracks, including some released this year, of Genshin Impact are is now up to 916 tracks. That is 1.1 days worth of music, of uh, very Studio Ghibli, lovely you know music for the most part. Very small. The weird thing about that is they're very short tracks. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of them in the early soundtracks are like like one minute, one minute 20 or something, which is in, makes it all kind of uh, interesting listen. But um, I think if you've played the game... It's not so much of a problem because you know what tracks you're looking for, but I think when you're people like us who are obviously really into video game soundtracks and we get a recommendation, it can be quite intimidating to... Let's say, for example, someone goes, Street Fighter Six soundtrack is incredible. You need to listen to it. And it is really good, but then you look at 284 tracks and go, where do I start? Do you know what I mean? And it's that. And, and as well, I think... The issue I've got with these bigger soundtracks is, for me, it takes away what a soundtrack, an album, whether it's a video game soundtrack or an album for anything else, it's meant to be a journey, right? Do you know what I mean? You listen to it from start to finish, and that is a really nice experience. Some of my favourite video game soundtracks are start to finish listens. Some of my favourite albums are start to finish listens, where I and I only listen to those albums from start to finish which is it's something I'm not going to do with Final Fantasy 16 for numerous mm. reasons. <laughs> I mean, this award is in honour, really, of Final Fantasy VII Remake, because, of course, that's yeah. that the original soundtrack was over eight hours without the bonus stuff, the jukebox tracks, then another four hours of integrated tracks. And that's only part one of the Final Fantasy VII Remake trilogy. Who knows the track count it could reach by the end of that 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 trilogy and the the trouble is you know okay I, I work for a record label and there is a tension between the fans that want everything mm. and also the the other side of that is that the composers want everything put out as well uh, and all the audio directors like they paid for this music they produced it they mixed it they are happy to just put it out, you know, as big as it is. And then that that tension, um, as we've discussed before, all of us discussed in various different conversations about just like, yeah, but it's not an album, is it? It's not like a good album that someone's thought start to back. You're going to listen to this. It's going to be two hours, maximum two hours of your life, but ideally like 90 minutes. And then yeah. it's a tricky one. The only thing I hope we move away from is... I fear that, especially with AAA game soundtracks, we're getting into the very dangerous territory of here are leitmotifs kind of thing, or here's like one main melody, which mm -hmm. we're then going to do like a hundred arrangements of. 
and this is where maybe the spicy take comes in, that's what I didn't like about Final Fantasy XIII when I played it in the back in the day because I felt like there was like maybe two or three main melodies and the rest of the soundtrack, despite how much people maybe rightly want to say how good it is, it is just pastiches on lots of, do you know what I mean, the same melodies kind yeah. of thing. And I, I really hope we can move away from that and go back to, which I mean, Tom, you'll tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I believe that's what Octopath does well, where yes, there's a lot of music in the game, but all of those melodies for the most part are substantially different. Well, because of the structure of the game, yeah. yeah. It's really tricky. I mean, you know, there's always, in the digital age, in the kind of iTunes and then coming into the Spotify age, we've had a lot of like reissues digitally of, you know, Bob Dylan or Taylor Swift or whatever it is, you know, like the deluxe version. So you've got the sort of 12 track album, then you've got the deluxe one with a couple of bonus tracks. And then maybe a couple of years, there's the ultra deluxe where it's got the, you know, the demos and the live versions, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, bands who really curate their legacy, like a, I don't know, like a crowded house or something, they'll put out a double live album years later um, and just sort of, but keep it up at a manageable pace for their fans to engage with. Very rarely does a music artist, a commercial music artist, who's kind of thinking of how to curate their legacy for their fans, very rarely do they just go, right, here's 300 tracks, eat it, and just whop it down in one go for you to enjoy as a music release. I don't know what the answer is, really, other than just like a, a day one essentials playlist official essentials playlist i mean yeah i think i think what you're describing especially with like traditional pop artists is the approach that needs to be taken because you look at final fantasy 13 and there is an ideal final fantasy 13 soundtrack out there and it's the vinyl release it's wf final fantasy 13 it's like a dozen tracks every single one rips and it's perfect it is a perfect album listen and i would sell my freaking organs into science for that for street fighter 6 because and we'll, we'll get back to street fighter 6 in a couple of categories but i don't want the itunes street fighter 6 soundtrack that has nothing to do with the music from that game as experienced while playing that game mm. while you're playing that game you hear regularly maybe two dozen songs maybe mm. And you hear them regularly and you're able to absorb them. And you can take those two dozen songs and put them into a very compelling double LP listen. Like you said, Tom, we've talked about it a lot just in private, like the the curation versus completionism. And I totally respect the artist's reality of wanting all of this music to be accessed. And I understand like a hardcore weirdo wanting to throw on the uh, Genshin Impact 916 tracks and just stay in their closet for a week and experience the whole thing as uh, as their pillow gods intended. But for everybody else, make that curated release. And like there are commercial artists that have like a sort of model for this. You look at Pearl Jam and there is their studio album discography. And then I think they have like something like 300, 400 separately commercially released live shows. And for the people that want it, it's there. But you don't have to consume it all as one lump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's not just AAA games. I mean, everything. Soundtracks I loved. Chained Echoes is 60 tracks, three hours. Tunic is 50 tracks, two hours. The streaming economics as well, there's a boring aspect to it, which is just, frankly, the more tracks you have, 
the more money you can make if you if you're going to have engaged listeners like a video game composer with a hot soundtrack or indie soundtrack is is likely to have so i mean yeah it's it's really tricky the only way i can see around it is to have like a dual release like here's the essential and here's the here's the complete i mean but yeah god, god of war 2018 and ragnarok that have tight soundtracks, you know, relatively short, tight soundtracks. It's all the A-grade material from those incredible soundtracks by Bear McCreary. They just put out an EP for the Valhalla DLC that's, I can't remember, five, six tracks, and it's tight. And it's not, you know, five hours of different variations of that one main melody. But then that is a huge, expensive production. Bear McCreary thinks very carefully about his soundtrack releases as albums, I'm sure, and has the time and staff to curate all that where a busy music team on a game uh, might not. Uh, or an indie composer who who just wants to get something out for fans and errs on the side of putting more out than less. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Matt, did you have one this year that you just couldn't digest at all? I mean, Xenoblade Chronicles, again, that's threes 2022, isn't it? No, the expansion was this year, though. Yeah, so that, it's like, I keep hearing amazing things about the music, but if I want to listen to something, I want to take it in, I want to take as much in as I can kind of thing, or like, if I'm going to go on a walk, I want to, do you know what I mean? Maybe I'll listen to it then, but... I'm not going to go on a two and a half hour walk just to listen to a game. Do you know what I mean? Like, not, no, I'm not doing I mean, it. I will say the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 soundtrack is worth going through every track, and that's a lot. It is. It is not an enjoyable listen. Like, every song is amazing, but, like, as a whole, and I, I got the CD release of, of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, taken as a lump sum, you almost want it to be three separate albums. I always think of uh, the CD release of Saga Frontier 2, which is just two discs, and each of them is like a perfect album all on its own. Whereas Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is like, hope you like emotional extremity for five <laughs> hours! Look, well, maybe we're identifying the next area of creative curation in the video game mm. music space. Maybe there needs to be a movement towards, at the very least, you know, I put out a um, Essentials from the Final Fantasy VII remake playlist that, that did okay. Look, a couple of people clicked on it on Spotify just because presumably they couldn't face eight hours of... Uh, of that soundtrack so maybe there is something there maybe yeah. uh, I mean laced we've been leaning towards having the the uh, like 2LP version so that we have the full box set or the complete as complete as we can get it and then the the slimmed down version and I've been trying to pay as much attention as possible to those track lists right straight up weirdest VGM track you've listened to released this year in honour of Air Twister. There we go, Matt. There we go. Right. I am going to start this with Fart Style from <laughs> Orton <laughs> was the case. <laughs> when you, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, try and bridge the Atlantic divide between us guys. When this came out, I immediately thought of like those horrific print ads you would see 20 years ago for all of the ringtones you could get inspired by Crazy Frog. Like, yeah. I, like I was like, where did Matt find this?
know the best the best thing about this track you've linked is it's got 40 views and it's just per- that's just like the perfect amount for this track man where did you find this so so again this is this comes from a guy called pierre he's got a video game music newsletter called now playing he doesn't put stuff like this in the newsletter because it's just really shameful he'll just dm he'll just dm me and be like i thought you'd like this i thought you'd like this is the best is the only way to hear this song what does that say about my music taste I thought I thought you would like this hard style <laughs> song from a video game, but it's hard style with fart noises. He's got you pegged, man. Subscribe to now playing. How do we yeah, yeah, big up Pierre. How do, I don't know how to recover from this really. I'm just uh gonna cough myself to death. Um I don't think I could have picked anything anywhere near as strange. I mean, um Anthony, you're saying you, you enjoy uh you said you enjoyed uh, physical oh, yes. switch media. So Devolver put the pre-orders up for Demon Throttle vinyl. So I had the great pleasure of digging into this soundtrack. It's a it's a physical only game on Switch, and I don't think the full soundtrack is available anywhere online. So it's like this double kind of physical thing. But it's just this. It's no fart style. <laughs> let's be fair. But it is kind of like jazz fusion, but pure chiptune. I'm pretty sure that the composer sticks to the rules of chiptune. He does. But just pushes the instrumentation and the time signatures and just the genre mashing really far out there. And uh, yeah, I really love it. I mean, it's, it's great stuff. It's not strange or weird, really. It's just an interesting listen. And actually, uh, while I'm at it, another shout out to Gumbrella, which is the Doinksoft game that has uh, a really kind of crazy experimental soundtrack that people should check out. And interesting tidbit about Gumbrella, we put out the digital soundtrack and they they insisted on putting every track in alphabetical order. That's 53 tracks. And it starts with airship and it, it ends with zero. Um, that's the Gumbrella soundtrack. <laughs> so talk about curation. They've um, that's an that's interesting bizarre. one. Yeah, I, I was very glad that you put Demon Throttle on here because Demon Throttle is spectacular. Like what a what a wonderful artifact that is. When the release, the actual cartridge release came out, it came with a sticker sheet. And I thought to myself, I'm going to offend all of the diehard collectors I know by giving this sticker sheet for a physical-only game to my child. And so the the diehard collector I know who like keeps everything mint in package, every now and again I'll just send him a picture of where she's put one of those stickers. <laughs> just drive the knife home. My guilty northerner habit is getting pre-orders from Curry's, which for our American listeners, Anthony is an electronic shop in the UK. They normally come with like stickers or like, the same kind of stuff you get from like Nintendo store. I don't know if you buy some at direct, straight on eBay, tenner back. <laughs> that's, the way to, that's the way to do it. Do it every every time, every time. And I will still do it when I have children. They will not have my stickers. 
Anthony, there's uh, you, there was a game about melons earlier. It's uh, a, with, a very melon-themed the... year for me. And then and now we've got uh, we've got Sweeker game. What's what's weird and strange about? Uh, just describe people what Sweeker game is if they haven't sort of heard of this phenomenon. People are not familiar with the phenomenon of Sweeker game. It is a puzzle game that is very slow-paced and very patient. When you drop fruit into a well, two types of fruit touch. They turn into a bigger fruit. And eventually your goal is to get a watermelon in there, which takes up an enormous amount of space. It's very difficult. The average playthrough is about 20 to 30 minutes, which for a puzzle game is a very long time. And you only hear this one 90-second loop the entire time. (laughs) Make some fruit salad today. Uh-huh. It's fun to do, it's a healthy way. Uh-huh. Take all the fruit that you want to eat. It's going to be. Now, I don't know if the people that made Suica Game are like into David Lynch style banality of evil, uh, like tapping into the deep well of surrealism <laughs> that sits beneath the human consciousness. But I have never felt closer to losing my. Mind. <laughs> 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 Everyone remember Threes, the of excellent course. puzzle game that uh, sadly got cloned, but uh, it's out on it's on uh, Apple Arcade. They've got a version that had like a like a ten minute kind of prog pop suite that nonetheless you had to mute eventually because as really nice as it was, there's only so many times round you can go with it. But Sweaker Game has that kind of addictiveness, I'd say, of like a drop seven or three. A thousand percent. It's no grindstone. It's no grind. No, grindstone should be illegal. In fact, all cappy puzzle games should be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but the soundtrack of Grindstone as well is just excellent kind of uh, hip-hop so instrumental good. thing. But uh, That and Critter Crunch. I can't imagine listening to this Sweaker Game song more than once. No. Without, you know, needing to immediately, like, inject Twin Peaks, The Return, straight into my eyeballs or something, just to take the the edge off. Again, no fart style. It's no fart style. (laughs) No, it is no fart style. I think this category was in honour of Air Twister, but Matt, I think next time it's going to have to be in honour of fart (laughs) I don't think anything's ever going to beat it. Going back really quickly, we've also got, I think this was your category, Come to Jazz's Merman of 2023, Best Jazz Thing. Come to Jazzus. Oh, I get it now. As in, come to Jesus, come to Jazzus, moment of 2023. Yeah, that's best jazz thing in and around game music. Or, what's your favourite track on 8-Bit Big Band's new album? Now, last time we did this, GXM10, I said, oh, you know, I don't really like jazz um, video game stuff because, like, I'm still continuing my, my proper jazz education. You know, I'd rather listen to Herbie than some, you know... Square Enix Jazz Cafe thing. And then I heard Can You Feel the Sunshine? I actually saw the video on Twitter of the of the 8-Bit Big Band and I got the full, in my face, just the, the sunshine blast of energy and enthusiasm coupled with, you know, intricate jazz big band arrangement uh, of Charlie Rosen. And I felt immediately love and um, I guess I've, I've had my come to jazzist moment. Uh, so for me, it really, it's Can You Feel the Sunshine is from that album is the best jazz video game thing 
that uh, I experienced this year. Although, as I was saying to you, Matt, on a, on a recent episode, having got into the what I call the muso-industrial complex, which is kind <laughs> of your Dirty Loops and, and your Jacob Colliers and your Lawrence and your Corey Wongs and, and that kind of thing in recent years, when Lawrence then turned up with his brother and sister band with an eight-piece turned up on this album, I was just like, oh, we're complete. The circle is closed. We've, we've, you know, we've done it. And they they expand upon I want to take you for a ride uh, from Marvel versus Capcom 2, which a friend of mine was like, oh, I don't like it. It's not. It's not pure enough. It's not enough like the original. It doesn't stay pure enough. And it's like, yeah, it's a, it's an expansion. It's a, it's just use your imagination. I don't know. Uh, that I, I enjoy that one a lot. But um, other jazz things happened around video games. Other very amusingly odd jazz things happened, Matt. There is, there is <laughs> no reason this should have happened. One, I do not understand how someone came up with this idea. <laughs> Two... I don't understand how or why Bandai signed it off, but boy, am I glad they did. So this is an Elden Ring jazz concert featuring the Grammy Award-winning jazz artist Kenny Garrett, who is basically like creme de la creme of like saxophone players in the jazz world. Um... This was a live show in, I believe it was New York, but they also streamed it. I foolishly didn't buy tickets to the stream, went out of my way to email Bandai's PR person and was like, please put this online. Like, is it going online? No, sorry, it's not. Can you just send it to me anyway? Because I really want to watch this. No, sorry, we can't do that. So I just assumed that I would never see this concert and then lo and behold youtube algorithm just decides to throw it in front of me today and go yep the entire concert experience which someone's uploaded which only has 166 views somehow found its way in front of me i've timestamped this just at a moment of insanity so just listen for a couple of seconds It's incredible. I, I can't... Matt, you of all people, I cannot believe that you didn't buy tickets to the stream the moment it became available. I assume you got the PR blast for it before they made the public announcement, like, we're doing this. Because I had the same reaction that you did, which was like, what? <laughs> huh? Like, nobody in your core audience wants this. I want this. What if we take the music from this IP, which is synonymous with symphonic orchestral music, and give it to some avant-garde mm -hmm. jazz yeah. players, man? Well, look, okay. Like, 
Guys, I have to. I'm afraid I'm going to have to go all Adam Neely on you. Uh, Adam Neely being the um, you know quite famous kind of jazzy music analyst. Uh, YouTube guy and to bring it back to 8-Bit Big Band actually he was uh, he made a video that I was already thinking of writing a blog on but he already made the video and covered every single possible angle I could possibly do because Adam Neely played bass with the 8-Bit Big Band and made this video all about is there a new so so in jazz there's a thing, thing called a fake book or a real book of the sort of standards, you know, 100, 200 standards that if you're a proper jazz session player, you kind of have to know these down pat. And the video was sort of angling towards, well, what if, um, because video game music have structures that kind of are a bit like jazz heads, like you could take a recognisable section of a Super Mario tune, have that as the head of a jazz tune, have your improvisations and then come back to it. Is there a video game music songbook now for jazz that's that's developing, you know, with its Super Bell Hill or, or, or... I don't know, dire, dire docks or, or uh, aquatic ambience or something like that, yeah. like with like the, the kind of S tier tunes that are starting to emerge in the cover scene as like, you have to cover this because everybody does. So in that sense... In that sense, Elden Ring would be last in line. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it, I, I just, you know what? I, I respect it. I respect it so much because what they've done is genuinely so cool. Like, I only found out after I saw the credits, they've got Ronald Bruner Jr., who is the drummer from the hardcore crossover thrash band Suicidal Tendencies playing on this. So it's like, <laughs> they've just taken these guys and gone, lads, we've had this commission coming from a company called Bandai. Here's the music. <laughs> Reckon you can do it. And they've just gone, yeah, this will be exciting. Like They've absolutely nailed it. I'm not going to put a link to this in the description because I never want it to be taken down. This <laughs> this will be forever known as the forbidden, <laughs> the forbidden Elden Ring jazz. One last statement about this is Bandai Namco. Every time I have developed a promotional program to pitch them in the past year, they're cursing the day they did this because it's been for everything. They're like, what about an Armored Core jazz show? Can we get Ken Hoshino to do an Armored Core jazz show, guys? Hey, Tekken's coming out. How about a jazz show? And every time they're like, you need to stop. One-time thing. <laughs> Okay, uh, spiciest VGM take because everyone needs their their mouth off moment. Don't want to put my foot in it or say anything to offend anybody, but uh, I think really I've got to say that when I saw the Grammys, um, the video game music nominees for the Grammys, my heart dropped a little again because whilst they're all incredible soundtracks by very accomplished composers, I don't want to take anything away from their achievement. It is starting, this is the second year of the sort of official video game awards. It feels to me somewhat like the Academy sticks to what it knows and what it knows are big IPs, Harry Potter, Star Wars, that kind of thing. And God bless him, Austin Wintry. He's being nominated several times now. I believe this is his third so yeah, it was a shame not to not to see any curveballs or left field stuff, indie stuff particularly. Stray Gods uh, Austin's game is extremely indie, so take nothing away from the achievement uh, of that game. But um, that's my. It's not even spicy, you know. It's it's like a, it leaves a slight aftertaste in the mouth rather than it be spicy per se. But uh, Anthony, what's what's your spiciest take? 
uh, from 2023. It's very weird. Did you guys know that there was music in Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? <laughs> I, I played it for 150 hours, but my kids were talking over all of it. So no, I didn't know there was music. I got my like year-end wrap-up thing from Nintendo for the Switch. And apparently I played that game for 88 hours, rolled credits. I have like screenshots to prove I did it. I uh, can't remember anything about it, let alone music, let alone <laughs> meaningful music cues. Like, I don't think you get to be called the best game when all you are is the most game. That doesn't make it good when you're just the most things to do. I really did enjoy the music in Breath of the Wild. And for the primary criticism of Tears of the Kingdom that people laid out of being like, oh, it's the same thing all over again. I don't think anything was more damaging in that regard than the music, especially when it had like that whole interesting underworld. But orally, it was just limp the entire time spicy i like very it. spicy did you make it did you make it to the koga boss battles which has one of the come on i'm not gonna be humming it like the windfish theme for 30 years no i get what you mean <laughs> it, it's weird because I, I i completely agree with what you're saying in terms of there was no variation from breath of the wild to this and i think that is quite bad kind of thing like gameplay wise I, I i enjoyed breath of the wild but this like sucked me in like I, oh. I was fully in it was the standout moments that final boss battle and the music with that and i think the wind temple boss battle as well where you're doing the glide that was like that was good yeah, yeah. my spicy take i mean it, it's stuff that i just casually kind of throw out there anyway and i don't even think it's that spicy but edm mixes of video game music are not good they are very <laughs> bad it harkens back to the early days of oversaturated what if zelda but dubstep where mm -hmm. you've just got like a thousand different versions of lost woods saria song but just thumping dubstep and also i've mentioned it a couple of times already but Final Fantasy 16 music was good. It it wasn't anything special. It should be illegal that people do not talk about Final Fantasy 15 soundtrack with the same high regard as like Final Fantasy 15's music was incredible. It's one of Shimamura's best scores, and it deserves to be talked about just as much, if not more, than all of the other Final Fantasy scores. Spicy, right? Um, sadly, we're we're in a rush, but let's crown our God's honest truth best soundtrack of 2023. I'll just jump in. There's a couple I could have had. Um, I worked a lot on the Lords of the Fallen release, uh, vinyl and digital, and I fell in love with that soundtrack. I think it is really, really cracking dark fantasy score. I interviewed Takeshi Furukawa, uh, who has a lovely kind of sci-fi orchestral score with Planet of Lana, but really the one that stuck with me was Cheer, John Robert Matz, who mm. um, went out of his way to be true to the authenticity of the game set in New Caledonia. Just the main melody, just the way he teased it out, the sailing music. just 
absolutely nailed it. And it's a beautiful soundtrack. And uh, yeah, it, it really touched me, actually. So maybe I did have a tunic moment in 2023. Maybe Cheer, cheer was uh, was really my one. And um, I try and say as many nice things to Robert on Twitter as possible. Um, Anthony, how about you? I You know, I talked about it a little bit before Street Fighter VI. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I think the last time I was on was right after Street Fighter VI came out and I was blown away by the soundtrack then. Obviously not the, like, retail commercial release of the soundtrack. Uh, I think the soundtrack, as experienced while playing the game, I I never in a thousand years thought that modern Capcom could match that mix of, like, early aughts dance and hip-hop that you had in Street Fighter Three, but I think that Street Fighter Six at its best exceeds it. Mm. The the character intro in plain old versus mode alone is one of the most memorable things I've heard in a game in years. And I I can't can't overstate how good it was. Uh, it was my game of the year, too. It was amazing, amazing, amazing work, Street Fighter Six. Just not 284 tracks uncurated, <laughs> listened all in a row. <laughs> Matt, uh, you've, you've mentioned Trepang 2. Uh, you mentioned it lots this year, actually. Is, is, that, is that your best? Or I, I genuinely think, yeah, I think in terms of like a soundtrack blowing me away and impressing me, I think Trepang 2. Second choice if I had to go for one. I know it's not really original music. I think there's maybe one or two, three songs that are new for this, but the soundtrack for Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, just a really cool collection of just, just loads of UK garage. just like Future Garage and it's just a really good soundtrack harkens back to everything that was good about the Jet Set games while still having enough difference about it to kind of stand apart and be its own thing so yeah Trapang 2 Bomber Cyberfunk awesome and then the quickest lightning round ever 2024 most anticipated soundtrack that isn't Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth Anthony go I mean, it's for me Iodin Chronicle the soundtracks of Suikoden 1 and 2 are legendary the fact that I'm going to get to hear music like that again when I never thought I would. But, like, I think Matt has the real answer. For, <laughs> Matt, for Matt. a game that I think is fictional, but... Metroid Prime 4, if we say it enough, it might happen. Um, other than that, something Nintendo... I've been saying for the past three or four years, every time I chat to my mates, we're going to get another Donkey Kong soon. I think we will. Uh, but, yeah, Metroid Prime 4, Donkey Kong, something Nintendo... And for me, uh, I don't know if Greedfall 2 is coming out this year. I didn't play the first one, but I did like the soundtrack. And I do, I'm a big fan of uh, Olivier de Rivière's work. I don't even know if he's working on Greedfall 2, but let's assume he is. And, uh, and it's another banger coming from him. So uh, great stuff. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you, Anthony. I know you've got to run. Thanks for helping us out with our milestones uh, in 2023, which is the year that we launched this podcast and uh, you know hopefully we'll see you again i don't know whether that will be a gxm 30 40 we'll we'll keep you to the tens maybe and uh, and come up with more silly categories for future 
How's that sound? I love it. I love every part of it. And I, I, I can say this uh, as part of the episode. Tom and Matt stayed up very late for people over the age uh, of 30 <laughs> to accommodate me. Uh, and so thank you very much, guys, for, for accommodating a, a weird timetable. No worries. We're, we are all in service to our American overlords. So <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.